Will you pray with me? And now, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I love words. That's probably a good thing for a preacher to love, is words. You all can keep all those Sudoku books. I'll take crossword puzzles and wordle any day. A beautifully penned sentence is like a work of art, or like a delicious meal that you savor. Words are, in a word, marvelous. But sometimes too much of a good thing can be just that, too much, something long-winded preachers sometimes forget. It's better to have people wishing for more than praying for less. And I hope today you won't be doing that latter one. When everyone is not enchanted, of course, like me, with words, there are two words that most of us are interested in. And those words are the first word and the last word. When a baby first speaks around the age of one, parents obsess and compete over what the first syllables will be from their child's lips. Will it be dada? Will it be mama? Maybe the very first word is no, and then all the fun really begins. The first word and other cherished milestones are recorded on video and in baby books, among other cherished milestones. First words matter, but so do last words. And it's always interesting to me to read about the words that people choose for their last words or the words that happen to be the words that they leave us with, whether in conversation or in headstones. And some are funny, like Bob Hope, the comedian, who after his wife asked him where he wanted to be buried, responded with these last words, surprise me. Some are ironic, like Sir Winston Churchill. Before slipping into a coma and dying nine days later, Churchill, the statesman who is famous for his commencement address of never give up, died on January 24, 1965, with these last words, I'm bored with it all. Sounds like he might have given up. And of course, there are some hopeful last words. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, spent his dying breath saying, best of all, God is with us. And evangelist Henry Ward Beecher used his last breath to say, now comes the mystery. We have a lifetime of words that we don't always pay attention to, but our first and last are some of the most remembered. Today is kind of the last word in the Christian calendar, a calendar shared by Christian churches worldwide, consisting of a cycle of seasons, celebrations, and scriptures, seasons and calendars that we follow here at First Baptist. And so today is known as Christ the King Sunday, the last Sunday in the church year. Next Sunday is the beginning of Advent, which begins a new year in the church. And I love that our faith tradition has this calendar of seasons and celebrations to help us keep on track with the larger story. So each year we anticipate the coming of Christ in Advent and we celebrate his arrival during the days of Christmas. And in January, we recognize how Christ's light shines into the world on Epiphany and beyond. And with the end of winter comes the journey to the cross during Lent, culminating in a joyous Easter celebration and 50 days of Eastertide as we welcome spring. 
And summer welcomes Pentecost and all the Sundays through the summer and fall. And in this season, we talk about what it means to be disciples of Jesus, to listen to his teachings, to see his miracles, to understand this alternative kingdom that of service and compassion and love and justice that he announced against the kings and kingdoms of his day. And the season of Pentecost culminates today when we declare Christ's place on his royal throne. You know, Christ the King Sunday was started in 1925 by Pope Pius VI. And it was first celebrated when the world was reeling from World War I. The world had just endured the horrific consequences of power, greed, and hatred in the hearts and hands of men. Nationalism and authoritarianism was rising after the war. So the church sent this bold statement on the last Sunday of the Christian year by declaring it Christ the King Sunday. This day is to remind Christians of their allegiance to the spiritual ruler in heaven as opposed to earthly dictators, nations, and rulers. Earthly powers, nations, and leaders come and go, but for Christians, Christ has the last word. Now, while you can love God and nation, it can be tempting sometimes to confuse and conflate the two, forgetting who has the last word. So are you ready for a little bit of a pop quiz today? No. Are you ready for a little pop quiz today? All right. Wow, your all's first words were no when you were baby, weren't they? Mm. Well, let me give you a few quotes, three from some well-known American leaders, and I want you to tell me what goes in the blank. You have two choices to make it easy this early, America or Jesus, all right? Here we go. Blank is the world's best last hope. What goes in the blank, America or Jesus? America, spoken by President Thomas Jefferson, Abe Lincoln, and several others as well. Here's the second one. Blank is the savior of the world. America or Jesus? <laughs> America. <laughs> President Woodrow Wilson. Okay, here's your last two quotes, same person. We must keep blank first in our hearts. Blank is the light and glory among the nations. The answer? You guys are slow to catch on to the game. America, America, President Donald Trump. We could play this game for hours. There are no shortage of quotes like these from leaders in both major political parties. You so various countries are represented in the people that are in this room and that watch us online. And no matter what country you call home, you can love your country, serve, be proud of it, and pray for your country. But my country, nor yours, is our hope, savior, or first in our hearts. That role is taken by Jesus Christ. As Baptists, our longstanding commitment to the separation of church and state is to help protect against this conflation of the two for people with any religious tradition and even those without a religious tradition. And when we talk about Christ the King today, I understand that the kingdom metaphor is a little bit messy. It's not perfect, and it can carry a lot of baggage and pain. Kingdom and kings have been used to justify oppression and setting up earthly empires, even in the name of Christ. But that was not the type of kingdom that Jesus announced. 
The kingdom of God is the kingdom where God reigns spiritually. It is present wherever God does what God wants to do and what we do when God wants us to do what those things are that he wants us to do. The kingdom of God is where what God wants done is done. It is all around us. It's among us, and it's from everlasting to everlasting. It's not about us having power. It's all about Christ's power. So if I'm honest this morning with you all, there's no shortage of things in the world that seem hard, overwhelming, and scary. Politics is definitely one of them. Death is another. And there are about a thousand things in between those two. We could all name things this morning that are creating fear and anxiety and worry in our lives. Whether politics or personal stuff or the ever-present reality of death that seems nearer every day to some, we struggle and we need to remember that we are part of an old, old story. One that starts in the beginning of time, that sits with us in the present, that reaches into the promised future and the promise that God is not done. In the opening verses of Ephesians, a letter written to a group of churches, Paul states loud and clear that Christ has the final word. Amid chaos, fear, war, elections, death, among all those things, Christ is enthroned above them all. And when we forget this, we're tempted to put our hope and trust in other things and people. We look to politicians, a 401k, a new relationship, outfit, TikTok trend, or diet plan, to calm the chaos around us and within us. There is a time when we all face powerlessness in life, and it's terrifying. The world says that if you have enough prosperity, power, or just positive thinking, then we can manifest any life that we want. But friends, those are just words, words, and more words. What we want And what we need is the last and final word. And Paul says that belongs to Christ. We may be powerless at at times, but Christ is not. And I trust him with power way more than I trust myself and most other people too. All power is his, Paul says, not only in this age, but in the age to come. In verses 20 and 21, Paul writes this, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. In the Gospels, we see the picture of Jesus, a man that we can relate to because he, like us, walks and talks and is angry at oppression and gets frustrated with friends and foes alike. We see a servant and a Messiah who leads with compassion and humility and mercy and justice and love. These are the ways of his kingdom and reign. But with the resurrection and the ascension of Christ, we come to know this cosmic Christ, who is seated at the right hand in the heavenly places. The power of Christ fills all time, space, and reality. And this includes our present and our future. 
We can be Christ's people in the here and now because we believe the risen Christ gets the last word. Everything is under his feet. Every single thing that we fear or worry about. Christ has power and authority over it. And if Christ has power over death, well, I'm pretty sure Christ has power over anything else you or I might be worried about. Tony Cartledge, a professor, author, and former pastor, told a story about a summer long ago when he was a pastor, and he accompanied a youth and adult mission trip team working in Kentucky. And while there, they visited Cumberland Falls, a beautiful and majestic site. The Cumberland River runs quietly through the mountain valleys until it gets to just that spot where it turns to thunder as it pours into a horseshoe-shaped cataract that drops for almost 70 feet. A heavy mist waters the plants clinging to life on the bare rock across both sides of that valley. And rainbows dance in the mist. It's an impressive, heart-pounding sight. As Tony stood and looked out at that roaring falls, he thought of his seven-year-old daughter, who had recently lost her life to a drunken driver. And Tony said to himself, I wish I could show this to Bethany. And then it occurred to him, If only a fraction of what we believe about heaven is true, then Bethany has far more wonderful things than this to show me. In an article, Tony said, I can't claim that I was one of these people who sat back and was totally untroubled by his daughter's death. There are times when it's hard to believe, as you always have. But I had this hope that Bethany still lived in some way, and that we would see her in another world. Hope that God was still with us and would work through us. I had this hope that she still lived in some way, that we would see her again. And I had hope that God was still with us and working through us in the here and now. Hope for today. Hope for tomorrow. Paul assures us that God not only loves us enough to forgive us and adopt us as children, but has also set aside an incredible inheritance. And in this life, we cannot know exactly what life beyond is like, but in Christ we have this hope of an internal inheritance, which can give us daily cause for praise and joy and confidence in this life. God has a plan. And Christ is the cornerstone of that plan. And the work of faith is to live in the confidence of God's final word in Christ. In reflecting on this Ephesians passage, Tony wrote this. In Jesus Christ, we have redemption for our sins, from our sins. We have an inheritance in eternity. We have a present comforter and guide. We have, in short, all that we need for a life that is filled with meaning and laced with praise. Even after the loss of a seven-year-old daughter to a tragic accident, his only child at the time, Tony still proclaims his hope for today and tomorrow is Christ. Jesus' authority transforms every allegiance, every relationship, and even our understanding of life and death. It changes our future and our present. Jesus is our hope as we sit 
in hospital rooms and waiting rooms. Jesus is our hope as we weep by gravesides and over empty chairs at tables. Jesus is our hope as we watch wars escalate and death tolls rise. Jesus is our hope as we await elections and see earthly powers come and go. Jesus is our hope when hope seems lost, promises appear broken, and dreams are still just dreams. Jesus is our hope when relationships end, anxiety seems to have the run of a house, and we struggle to see any good over the horizon. Whether politics, personal stuff, or the ever-present reality of death, remember we are part of an old, old story. One that starts at the beginning of time, sits with us in the present, and reaches into the promised future and the promise that God is not done. And on this Christ the King Sunday, we complete another year of telling that story and the story of an upside-down kingdom not of this world. And next Sunday, on the first Sunday of Advent, we'll begin telling it again as we prepare our hearts to welcome the Christ child, Emmanuel, God with us. And we will continue to tell it and live it year after year until Christ comes again. Like Tony, despite the heartache and pain of this world, we have hope for today and all of our tomorrows. And as we conclude this series, we know that the good news about death is that Christ has defeated it forever. God has put all things under Christ's feet, so we need not be afraid of any earthly power or situation. For Christ the King has the last and the final word, and that is the best final word that we ever need to hear. Let us pray. Most gracious God, Jesus showed us an alternative to the kings and queens and emperors of history. Help us to love and follow Jesus' leadership. Help us live with the confidence that comes from knowing Christ is king and has the last and final word. And in gratitude for what you have done, Lord, and with hope for today and all of our tomorrows because of Christ, may we co-create a world ruled in compassion and love as your kingdom comes, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For the glory of God and the good of the world. Amen.